2: apply. 5 years or 100,000 miles whichever comes first.
1: ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to
2: board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify.
3: Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. After the enforced three-week break for Saints due to the FA Cup and international fixtures, it was back to it this weekend as we travelled down to Brighton and Hove Albion, ending in a great 1-0 win. We'll reflect on that game with Adam and Steve, as well as look ahead to the daunting-looking home game against everyone's second favourite club, not, next Friday evening, Liverpool. Now, we're recording on Mother's Day, so firstly, a TSP Happy Mother's Day to all of the Saints mums out there. I hope you've had a good day and been uh, royally spoilt. Secondly, we have a brand new TSP patron to introduce as well. Dan Campbell becomes our 26th patron, and uh, great to have you on board, Dan. Thanks for your support. It's truly appreciated. We've not got a total recall this week, but our next yesteryear match or ex-Saints player interview, thanks to Will and the SaintsArchive.com chats chaps, won't be too far away. So we're going to get straight into the pod today, it's TSP69, we're partnered with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and gratefully sponsored for 2018-19 by happyhottubs.co.uk
0: At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs, it's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk
4: happyhottubs.co.uk
0: 0% excludes free throw range. So Saints started
3: their eight-game Premier League run-in with an away trip to Brighton, looking to reverse fortunes after conceding a last-minute equaliser in a two-all draw at St Mary's back in September. Thankfully, they took that opportunity as the game finished with a very important three points, 1-0 to Saints on what would have been Marcus Lieber's 71st birthday. Once the dust settled, Saints find themselves on 33 points
2: and in 16th position. All in all, Adam, then, what did you make of it? It it wasn't a riveting afternoon if you were a neutral, I don't think, but uh, Saints definitely don't care. It was just a a really uh, massive win, and I think, as you know, uh, I was very positive about their uh, survival (laughs) chances before Brighton. And I'm obviously even more positive after this weekend, I think. To be honest, it's 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 almost done now. They're almost safe. So another big moment for them, another significant moment. They're in great form now. There was a bit of a concern, obviously, that that three-week break would um, puncture momentum a bit. But it felt like it did that for Brighton as well. I mean, I didn't really buy the theory that there was kind of going around the press room, that they would just sack it off a little bit because they've got Wembley, and the FA Cup semi-final next weekend, because they've actually got a game in between, which is against mm. Chelsea, so kind of, I really thought Brighton would be seriously up and at it, thinking, look, let's get something against Saints, and then we'll, we'll probably just bin off Chelsea, because we'll basically be safe by then if we get sank against Saints, so we don't really need to worry about that, and then we'll worry about the FA Cup uh, semi-final. But, yeah, I mean, I, in the first half, I wouldn't say Brighton were... Uh, were cruising at all but um, you know they were playing that sort of very boring Brighton style I mean imagine having to watch that every week I mean (laughs) it is really dull stuff Um, but they came out for the second half the two teams after you know really not much to write home about for either side at half time Mm. Um, and so my main uh, thought at half time was your joke last week this can't be worse than the League Cup game can it (laughs) was I is this worse and I I concluded it wasn't quite that bad but it was pretty close there you go um but, yeah, and then the second half, Saints came out with real intensity from the start. Mm. Um, and Brighton almost came out with the opposite. They sort of really were very lacklustre. And those moments, really, in that, that first 15 minutes decided the game. And in the end, you know, Saints had some moments uh, in, on the counter attack that, you know, was perhaps slightly uh, being slightly more clinical. They, they might have sort of wrapped up by a more comfortable scoreline, but it didn't really... Uh, feel that nervy. I know Brighton did hit the bar, but I mean that was sort of a fairly speculative uh, two, sort of 20-yard shot. I thought Saints did really well, and and the fact that Harson hutel pulled out the sort of surprise of the back four, mm. um, which he, you know, when I asked him about it afterwards, he he then revealed they had been working on for the three weeks, and and the the, the um dropping out last minute. Um, with, the, with the groin injury uh, didn't affect the formation actually they were going with the four anyway I suspect Vestergaard would have uh, would have played yep. um, just for some height in there because Brian are a big team but they didn't change the formation they stuck with it I think that probably surprised Brian a little bit and I think uh, very bright news for the future I mean he's <laughs> I say it every pod but he's desperate to play this four two two two. I mean mm. he just wants to play it as much as he can um, but he sort of felt he can't because he hasn't had time to get the shape. Well, I thought it looked pretty effective, and given that uh, next season when they come back to try and play a whole season with four-two-two-two, there's going to be a very different set of players playing it, and, and the players that he wants presumably, um, with a few you know uh, additions as well. I think it was positive for the future as well. So a, a really good afternoon out in the sunshine.
3: And obviously a thank you to me as well for taking that 1-1 draw off of you because you got a point for the uh, prediction lead there. I said three one if you remember. You did, you did, yeah, that was it. Uh, good stuff. And uh, the other credit I'm gonna take this week is that yesterday morning I removed Ashley Barnes from my fantasy team, Steve. I put Glenn Murray in. I'm you know, absolutely gonna take a lot of credit for that decision because he was pretty uh, anonymous. But uh, you know, we've seen it many years, Steve, where there've been sort of games there for the taking for Saints and we always managed to lose them somehow. So sort of the flip side of that, winning one from half time was obviously great. Um, but like like Adam, were you kind of surprised by Brighton's approach to it, bearing in mind they're probably going to get tanked by Man City next week anyway.
0: Um, Not especially, because they've largely been playing like that all season. I'm sure I've mentioned this on the pod before, that Brighton, have, their results have massively outperformed their actual performances in terms of like expected goals, both scored and conceded. Um, Glenn Murray has bailed them out of so many situations with sort of spawny goals, or, I mean, they've, they've had a load of penalties this season as well, and They've picked up points in games where they've really not deserved them. Yeah. Um, and basically the last two months has been the league kind of writing itself from that sort of injustice, really. So them them being in the, in the position they're in now is, for me, is absolutely no surprise. Yeah. They're fortunate, I think, in that Cardiff have still got a tough run in. Burnley have obviously got a dreadful last four games. Yeah. Um, but obviously helped themselves out massively yesterday with Wolves with their usual Jekyll and Hyde. um, Not going to bother turning up against the weaker teams uh, showing. So I think Brighton will probably just about get away with it. I mean, they've still got Cardiff to play at home. Um, I think they've still got Newcastle to come down there as well. Mm. So, I mean, you think against, against those sort of teams on home turf where they have been strong in the two years they've been in the top flight, you'll think they'll probably just about squeeze enough points out of it. But um they're certainly not making it easy for themselves but i thought we i thought we were pretty comfortable for most for most of it i didn't ever feel that we were in any danger um it wasn't as if it was the that we were sort of fighting against the alamo or anything like that
3: and i guess Uh, it's that time of the season steve isn't it where results are more important than performances anyway getting the points on the board
0: i'd always say that results are more important than performances anyway Mm -hmm. but you'd always like to be sort of building up some sort of pattern so you you've kind of got an idea of what everyone's trying to do yeah you can clearly see that, as Adam said, um, Hasenewer wants to play this very narrow system, which is quite surprising given players available. But it worked with absolute T against, against Brighton, particularly given how sloppy they were in the centre of their midfield. Mm. Um, the number of times that we won the ball back and launched counter-attacks, basically just running straight down the middle of them,
3: yep.
0: um, was extraordinary. And I mean, particularly first half, we could have had two or three, but for either players going for a shot uh, or the shot um, being blocked and just not playing the playing the right final pass instead it's just sort of final decisions really and we could yeah we could have been 2 or 3 up at half time for all that brighton had all the possession mm. i think their all their shots were f- were from outside the area um not a single one on target until uh, Lockadere hit one from the edge of the area with about 5 minutes to go yep. and that was straight at gun um i mean you'd have been fuming if he'd let that one in I I never felt that we were ever going to lose that game.
3: No, which is a a sort of surprising thing with Saints, isn't it? You always Mm. have that niggling doubt, I I must say. But uh, look, I have to be uh, honest, Adam, if there was a pierre M L Hoiberg fan club, I'd be at the uh, front of the queue to join it. No doubt about that. Just shows everything that you want as a uh, a fan, you know, heart on the sleeve and energy and obviously his goal yesterday. Captain Fantastic.
2: Yeah, funnily enough, I was actually... Thinking, um, if you if you didn't bring him up, I was I was going to actually mention it to to you as well because, in fairness to you, you were um when he was out of the team and even sort of when he first arrived. I know that you were sort of uh, have always on the pod been championing him and thinking that he should be in there. And I must admit, I've been to be honest, I've been a little more unsure Mm. um at times. But yeah, I mean, what can you say? He's leading the team. He is he is providing some leadership as captain. I mean, it's been a long time. Really, since we've seen somebody kind of try and lead by example, and and it, it, you're very—it's interesting when you're somewhere like Brighton, the, where we sat's fairly low, yeah. so you're right behind the dugout type of thing, and and you kind of get much more of a sense of the game than I, I normally get because normally we're kind of fairly high up or sort of in kind of that line with the director's box. So you've got a nice view of the pattern of play, but you don't—the cut and thrust—is a little bit lost on you, if that makes sense. Yeah. But being lower down yesterday, I could see. Hoyberg, and like every time the ball went out of play, he's g'ing up players. Mm. You know, he's trying to get into them a little bit if they need it, or you know, give them a little pat and a pick up if they if they've sort of made a mistake or something like that as well. And yeah, really providing some leadership. And then sublime quality with that mm. finish. It was mm. a great finish. What a great finish. I mean. Again, all credit really to uh, a the Saints midfield for stepping up and b Harson Hootel for finding ways to both practically out on the pitch and and sort of mentally get through barriers to uh, get the midfield scoring because I mean the the midfield contribution much derided in in recent years. Um, it's it's keeping things up because the strikers can't. I mean, you know, when can, can we remember the strikers scoring at all ever? While, I mean, it's like, it? it seems like so long since the yeah. striker scored a goal. Yeah, but you you almost don't worry now because it'll be all oh, right. Prowsey will get one, or Pierre will pop up, or you know, maybe Stu Armstrong will get back on the score sheet again, or somebody will do it. Mm. Um, you know, from from the midfield ranks and and this sort of. Freedom that, that Harsenhooter has managed to, to get into the players to try and get them running beyond the striker and into the box is really paying dividends as well. And I think it's important, especially when um, when Ings plays, given how deep Ings can sometimes drop. And he was doing a bit of that yesterday, and I think there was a bit of, come on, get up the pitch, Don't let's not have this again, of you like linking up play in the centre circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when he is dropping deep to link up the play, Saints will be without a focal threat, particularly away from home. Um, if they don't get midfielders running on, um, and what what a fantastic counter attack! I mean, I know Brighton gave the ball away in pretty shambolic circumstances, but nonetheless, Saints pounced on it very very quickly and a, a really really classy composed finish from Hoyberg. And what what a massive goal! That is for Saints in the context of this season. Yeah, and Steve, as Adam says
3: there, I mean, you know, epitomise really Hoiberg's season. I know his discipline's let him down a couple of times, but Brighton giving the ball away, slash him, winning the ball back, and then obviously sprinting on beyond Nathan Redmond. Danny Ings was quite quiet, but that sort of trio of Armstrong, Redmond, Hoyberg really did stand out. And we mentioned Hoyberg, but I thought Nathan Redmond had a good game as well.
0: Yeah, he was, he was very good. And um, I think a lot needs to be said about the assist for the goal, because mm. it was... In that situation where you're sprinting with the ball, it it would be very easy for him to over, over hit that little reverse pass into, into Hoiberg's feet, but he weighted it absolutely perfectly. Didn't have to break his stride at all. And that's, that's one thing that's always, that's, I mean, for, must be for about 20 years that Saints on the counter attack have always done this thing whereby you've got a player sort of running into space and, and expecting the ball played into their stride mm. and the ball's always played half a yard behind so they have to they have to check back and yeah. then all the all the momentum's lost yep. but on that occasion we've got it absolutely spot on you know we
3: mentioned the three week break Adam so back to back wins now if you think about the Spurs game and talk about how important these sort of eight games were and I think probably you know I think for all of us even the most optimistic Saints fans picking up six points from Spurs at home Brighton away you know even the most optimistic as I say might have thought four points in those
2: games or a couple of points so you know for me almost bonus points just at the right time well, they've timed it to perfection, haven't mm. they? Really? Yeah, it's it's really worked out really well for them. I mean, three wins in the last four, and the, and the one they didn't win, they were really unlucky in, and it was what was a massively tough game away to Man United. Yeah, yeah, and this is the time you you want to pick up points, isn't it? I mean, the Cardiff result, um, obviously the very controversial result. The the what happened to them against Chelsea was. Uh, you know, obviously it was very good for Saints, but you, if you, I watched a bit of it. I was working, but I had it on in in the background while I was working, and kind of there were sort of those mixed emotions of of sort of the relief from Saints's point of view because it just really cemented that, like I said, I think it's they're virtually done now. It's mm. almost it's almost a done deal that they're staying up. Yeah. Um. But also, you kind of you had that heart goes out for Cardiff a little bit for their players and their fans because they put in. A massive effort and they didn't deserve what came their way but at the end of the day every team gets bad refereeing decisions we've talked about enough of them for saints in recent weeks haven't we so um it does happen yeah it's just, it's just been the right time to pick up form and now a five point gap mm. with seven games to go and in good form saints aren't one of the teams that are dropping yeah they're the teams that are rising and the teams that are rising at this point in time don't go down. No. Um, simple as that. And they've got five point head start. For them to go down now would take a truly astonishing collapse.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think. We'd have to basically lose every game. Yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. so.
2: I think they'd yeah. need to lose all seven games now yeah. to go down. Um, and I, I just cannot see any way when you look at their fixtures they're, and given their current form, yeah. they are losing all seven matches between now and the end of the season. It's just not happening. So they've timed the run. To the line perfectly, and um, and it looks like, it, if anything, it's going to be um, a bit of a weird last few weeks where there's really just nothing going on. It's just the season's kind of over, uh, which is probably preferable to <laughs> the, the living on your nerve <laughs> a little um, bit easier than last season, I think. Yeah. Well, I think the key as well. I mean, I know we'll probably talk about it in future pods, but the key is for Saints is that you know what they can actually plan now for this summer mm. they know who the manager's going to be um, they know what division they're going to be in so they know the kind of income that they're going to have yep. they can actually start to plan they haven't got to wait until the day after the last game of the season to sit down and go right what do we do now they can actually begin to Approach agents, approach other clubs, start the process of signing, start the process of trying to get rid of players with the confidence that they know what league they're going to be in, and that is going to make what is going to be a difficult summer for them anyway easier because it's going to give them a head start. So they've they've timed it uh, perfectly, and and also I guess you have to credit uh, Ralph Kruger and and the board because they've they've got this one right, haven't they? And I question the timing when uh, when Hughes went, but you know what, it's it's worked out, and so, you know, fair play, I mean, you could argue, you could quite fairly argue, that it shouldn't have, uh, been allowed to have got to, the stage you got to, in terms of, the way the last few appointments have been, and the club's been managed, the last couple of years, but, ultimately, they made a big call, um, and, they got it right, and they got the timing right, because Saints are going to stay up, and, you know, they're actually in a position where, and with the fixtures they've got, if they can keep a little decent run of form going, they could easily leap up, you know, a good few places minimum in the Premier League, and, and suddenly find themselves with another six, eight million pounds to spend in the summer, thanks to extra prize money. So it's it's all looking really positive. Yeah, so obviously the
3: players deserve a lot of credit for what they've done since Ralph took came in. But just before we hear from him, then Adam. I think, you know, some credit to, to Ralph. I mean, he deserves masses, obviously, but that's seven wins in 16 games now, and that includes the Cardiff uh, away game at the start, because I can include it in this because it still looks nice and rosy. Um, That's 24 points from those 16 games. That's one and a half points a, a game ratio. So if he did that across the course of a 38 game season, he would accrue 57 points. 57 points last season would have finished seventh in the Premier League. So bearing in mind, the squad is, you know, to a certain extent a little bit weaker than when he joined, you think of the quality of players of sort of Cedric, Gabby, Dini Davis, etc. Just try and summarise what an immense job he's done. It's kind
2: of hard to summarise. I think the most important thing that he's that he's done actually is not um, something that's easily quantifiable. It's not, oh, he's got this player out of the team or he's got this player in or he's got you know he's got this formation. It's actually a galvanising effect, uh, and that's what he's done that I think has been so impressive. So and it's unifying almost. Yeah, and it's not... Obviously, the, the number one most important thing is the squad, um, which he has unified. And part of that has been his very blunt treatment of players that he doesn't think are going to help that unity, um, which is why some of those players you listed have obviously gone, um, even though you wouldn't think it was the obvious thing to do because of their quality. But it's not only that he's galvanized and yeah, unified the squad. It's actually the whole club. Mm. Um, you can sense it, you can feel it. I mean, even when, you know, obviously the fans love him and, and there's that real sense of uh, camaraderie with the fans as well. I hear it all the time from the people who work at the club, um, what he's like to deal with there and what a joy he is to deal with. And even from my dealings with him and, and the other press guys everybody says god this guy's such a breath of fresh air mm. you know he's such a just seems like a genuine guy you know we always if ever you see the press conference videos you know the, it descends into laughter most weeks which you know over something or another and there's smiles and there's uh i, get, I you know, guess it's easier chance. when things are going well though adam isn't it you know you that that's maybe if they'd been on a really tough run is, you know, but so then yeah. they've had some difficult moments as well mm-hmm. and he's still they've had some moments where there's been people even questioning whether he was the right appointment, you know, after some performances and some results. And so uh, it's not all been sweetness and light. Yeah, they're the same sort of people that tend to question every decision at Saints, I think. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with, with questioning decisions. And there's, you know, it's a game of opinions. And you're entitled to, is entitled to think that who was the uh, wrong appointment as the next guy is he's the right appointment. That's just what the game is. But... Um, but what I mean is that, he, uh, yes, I mean, I was talking about the, the sort of laughing and joking. Obviously, um, there's less of that, it, you know, especially not after a defeat, immediately after. But even so, you go along a couple of days later and speak to him, yep. and he'll be back up again, and he'll be upbeat, and he'll be laughing and joking again, as if that defeat didn't happen. And mm. and you need that. That's part of what he's done. It's part of the spirit that that he's instilled in the, the way he's managed to, in a high-pressure situation, somehow... Make the players not feel like they're under pressure. Yeah, and yeah, that's really been the success he's had, and that's been part of his whole demeanour and the whole way he's been. And and the he set the tone from that very first press conference when he came in. He set the tone perfectly, um, and he stuck with that formula, and it's paid off uh, handsomely. I mean, I know we'll talk a lot more about this in coming weeks, but moving forward. He's obviously got a different job on his hands, a bit like Hughes. Hughes mm-hmm. kept them up last year. It's a different ball game then when it's your summer, yep. your signing. It's your whole pre-season. It's Now it's your team. The pressure's on you. There's not... You know, if Harsten failed, he wasn't the one that was going to get all the stick here. It was going to be the people above him. Yep. Next season, if he... Yeah, has a terrible, terrible start. It will be him getting this, a lot of the stick. So, it is a different kettle kind of fish when you're in that position and, and the pressure's really on you. But, let's be honest, I mean, it's hard to be, at this point in time, anything other than fairly positive and optimistic. Cautious, though, we always have to be, given it's Saints. It's hard not to feel um, A little bit excited. Optimistic. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, that they, they look, ultimately, they aren't going to spend the money to do, I don't think, anything bonkersly amazing but if they could be more on a par with what Wolves do or Leicester are doing and teams like that well okay you take that because that's kind of Saints getting back to where they are and then we just end up in this position again where we'll be frustrated by big clubs wanting to sign the players they can't hold on to big clubs trying to take the manager you know, and, and then that feeling of oh god they're hitting their head on the glass ceiling again and it's so frustrating there's no there's no further way forward for them well that's a hell of a lot better than where they've been the last couple of years
3: Well Ralph has done a good job and uh, obviously he was very pleased after the Brighton game here's what he had to say It was a big performance for a massive win for us um, I think we had um, a good balance uh, today uh, you could see that the last three weeks we were working in a new shape and I think it was it was good that we, we showed that we also can play in this, in this shape, in the back four and uh, maybe it was a little bit surprising for the opponent but uh, we were very we had passion and patience and, we, the, sec- and the goal we, sh- we scored was really patience because we were waiting for this moment that they were building up and, and winning the ball and then uh, had a very good uh, yeah, transition forward and um, fantastic goal and uh, one time we were a bit lucky with uh, the ball on the bar But overall I think we we deserve to win. Just finally on the Brighton game then, Steve, there's been um, some tough days for Saints fans over the last few years. I mean, admittedly, they've been a bit better on the road than they have been at home. That's the team, I mean, not the fans. But uh, I got sent a brilliant video by a mate of mine, Johnny, who was sat just in the corner of the home fans uh, yesterday. He's a Saints fan, but he took a brilliant video of uh, the Saints fans singing all When the Saints, which I know has gone viral. And uh, I mean, it was a, a good day for Saints to be able to have a, a bit of a sing-song. But I think the sort of reward for some of the tough away performances and tough games we've had over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, away from home, as you say, we've we've actually done pretty decent mm. uh, for the most part away from home, save save a handful of particularly bad performances. But, yeah, let's face it, ev- everyone likes it when you get the go away from home, you get got a bigger way following, and the team follow that up with a performance. Everyone's always happy, and especially when you've gone somewhere that's, let's face it, Brighton's a pleasant place to go, isn't it? Yeah. And the sun's out, everyone's having a good time. Um, I mean, let's face it. I don't think you'd be seeing those sort of videos in the um, teeming rain up at Burnley, for example. <laughs> if we if we'd if we'd got a one nil win up there, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um. So I mean, the the environment does often make those sort of situations. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the the players put the performance in, and the fans back that up.
1: Castle Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk
3: Next up for Saints, it's a tough looking game against Liverpool at St Mary's next Friday evening. Steve, Liverpool, discuss.
0: Oh God, do we have to?
3: Um,
0: I've got the beeper at the ready. Yeah, might be, might be required. I thought they were wholly unimpressive against Spurs today, to be honest. They're obviously under huge pressure, um, regardless of what. What anybody says, they mm. are under pressure, um, and the performances are showing it. I mean, God knows how they how they managed to fluke their way to a win today because Spurs Spurs could have had four or five in that second half, and and it wouldn't have been an unjustified result. Mm. But they are up there for a reason, and they're still a very good side yep. with a lot of arguably world class players. Mm. I mean, the obvious examples are uh, obviously Van Dyke Salah. Um, although he's been pretty ropey for most of this season, I think. Yep. Um, Mane, I think, has been, to be honest, as much as Van Dijk's the one that's been talked about for player of the year, I think Mane's the one that's that's actually been winning the points for Liverpool. Mm, mm. Um, so he's the one that I think is going to cause us the most headaches on Friday. Yeah. Um, how
3: how well do you think he's developed, Steve? Because, I mean, he is probably the one few sort of ex-players that we can waste some energy on talking about because we don't didn't necessarily fall out with him as much as some of the other ones but i think it's 20 goals he scored in 39 games this season for um liverpool for um you know in the club competitions and champions league etc so you know one in two for any team is good but particularly at that sort of quality of fixtures that they've been playing in predominantly
0: yeah i mean he wasn't really employed as a as an out-and-out goal scorer for us so for him to have kind of added that string to his bow i mean yeah you couldn't you would You can rightly sort of point to the fact that a team that has that attacking talent um, is is naturally going to create a lot more goal-scoring opportunities. So, by all reckoning, his numbers should improve. But you've still got to actually do it. And, um, I mean, you look at someone like Salah this season is missing an extraordinary number of good chances, whereas Mane's conversion rate is excellent. And just seems to have added that... Bit of sort of ruthless composure to his game,
3: mm.
0: whereby more often than not, so much of, so much of the game as a centre forward is played in your head. Yeah, in terms of picking the right decisions and, and timing is key. So some some strikers are known for taking taking the shots early. Yeah, Kane is a prime example of that. He tends to shoot very early, uh, which catches keepers and defenders off guard. Mane's more of a um, more of a thinker, I think he doesn't mind taking an extra split second because he knows that by giving himself that extra time, he's more likely to make the right call. And I think his, I mean, his performances and his um, goal record this season um, testifies to that, I think.
3: Yeah. Obviously, the majority of Saints fans, myself included, Adam, and I think probably most of the football fans that are uh, neutrals around the country, are like to see nothing more than Man City win the uh, title this season, I think. But, Given some credit to Liverpool, they'll arrive at St Mary's having lost just one of their 32 Premier League games. Of course, that was away at uh, Manchester City. So, some effort, whatever we think of them.
2: Yeah, I mean they've uh, they've had another really good season, haven't they? I think the thing for them is that they need to convert it now. They they need to win something. Uh, a bit like you feel so, to a slightly lesser extent because they obviously haven't spent the same money, but a bit like Tottenham, you kind of they got to that point where. The only next logical phase for them is to move from being, you know, nearly men mm. to to winning something and getting their hands on some some proper uh, major silverware. And they have done well. Klopp's a interesting manager, isn't he? He's, um, yep. you know, and he's put together, I would say, a really good, exciting team. I mean, uh, as a as a neutral, I do enjoy watching them play. They play some good football. They've got some really talented players they've got the best defender in the world i don't think there's any doubt about that um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah something like that um but like i said it doesn't count for anything ultimately the at the level they're competing at if you don't end up winning something is you know being second is is nothing to celebrate for first first loser Exactly. It is. At that level, it is, isn't it? Though that's the truth. If Saints came second, uh, well, I mean, you'd be saying this is a, uh, yeah, unbelievable. This is so amazing, you know, even though they didn't win. There'd be an open bus tour, team. I think, wouldn't there? Yeah, but sometimes you've got to, you've got to deliver for your level, haven't you? And it's as simple as that. And Liverpool have definitely reached that point, and it's not. I don't think you know. What was the consolation for them in coming second? I mean, when I look at try and compare it a bit to Saints and. The season that they came second in League One. Mm. Now, I, I mean, I know this isn't a popular opinion. I've said it once or twice before, I think, on the pod. But for me, that was one of the most disappointing seasons I think Saints have had because they don't. Saints don't, what, don't win anything. What trophies do they pick up? Virtually, you know, of any meaning? None. They had a chance to have won that league and they lost to. At a ragbag team who played in an athletics ground, <laughs> and Saints had the sec- I think the second most expensive League One team ever assembled at mm. their disposal, and they still couldn't win anything. Yeah. to me that was really poor. That was a massive missed opportunity. So for their that, that was that's the kind of thing. At least they had the consolation though that they got promoted. But what in Liverpool's case of coming second, what is their consolation? I can't. Yeah, I don't really see what it is. You yeah. don't. You don't hold teams of great players um together forever uh, they don't hold fitness and form together forever they age um you've got to deliver you know in the here and now and so i think that will be the interesting dynamic for them on uh friday night at st mary's is that the pressure is on they can't afford uh to let up i did wonder when it didn't look like they were going to beat tottenham um whether well maybe this will be a blessing for saints because maybe liverpool will go right okay the the league's gone um or it's unlikely we need to focus on the champions league now uh maybe they would take their eye off the ball a bit but as they're still well and truly in the title race yeah they are going to be under a lot of pressure saints in their position now realizing that they are almost safe are for this game under absolutely no pressure whatsoever. They could go out and get beaten and it wouldn't matter one jot. Well, I, I was so, going to ask
3: Adam, because I had the, my next question I was going to ask you, because you said a few weeks ago that there were no free hits for Saints now. Well, I think that was just before the Arsenal game. But actually, with back-to-back wins, the five-point gap, I think, are, are we sort of fair enough to say that actually this probably is a bit of a free hit now?
2: Yeah, I think it is again now. I think they are in that, because I disagree with Peachy's assessment of it for that Arsenal game, mm. because I felt that we were going into a crucial period of the season um, where Saints needed to get wins, and the reason they needed to get wins is because they needed to try and put themselves in the position which they've got themselves to. Yep. Now they've got to this position. This one really is the the free hit, especially out of the remaining games. This is the last top six team to play, and so you go and you have a you just have a go at this one, don't you? I think you don't. It doesn't mean go gung ho because if you do that, Liverpool will likely. Uh, pick you off but Mm. you can at least play without pressure but know that they are under immense pressure if you're going to play liverpool this is kind of the situation uh, you're a smaller club and you're playing a massive team like this this is about as as stacked in saints' favour as you could reasonably ask for Mm. uh, without liverpool having some horrific fixture or injury pile up because You are completely the underdogs and it's so much easier to perform when you're in that mode. And let's not forget that Saints are also very confident at the moment. They've got momentum, they've got confidence and self-belief. I think that they are going to prove a handful for
3: Liverpool. There's been a lot of talk, Steve, since uh, Ralph joined the Premier League, and I'm sure there'll be more of it this week. And I'm sure he'll be absolutely sick and tired it by the end of the week about the fact that Haasen, is the Alpine Klopp, so to
2: speak. Oh, he, we'll make sure he's sick of it <laughs> by the end of the first day. Don't worry about that.
3: Between Jurgen Klopp and Ralph Haasen do you see many similarities as coaches, Steve, or not?
0: I guess there's there are certain mannerisms that are that are quite similar. They're both very animated on the touchline. Yeah, but it just feels as if um Hasenhutl is slightly more laid back and is able to sort of assess things with a little bit more sort of level headedness. Really, Klopp is very much sort of everything's from the heart and everything's got to be. I mean, there was the the saying that he that he said in his first press conference when he got the job at Liverpool that he wanted heavy metal football.
3: Yeah,
0: it's like well, that's that's all well and good, but I mean, as as has been shown in the well, how long's he been there now? Four years. Mm. It's all well and good coming out with um, coming out with good sound bites and having a bit of a giggle in post-match interviews after you've won, but at a club like Liverpool, when you're spending the sort of money that he's spent, yeah, um, you've got to actually deliver on something. And I mean, you look at his cup final record. I think he's he won his first cup final with Dortmund when they they absolutely smashed by Munich five one, and he's lost I think seven in a row since. Mm. Now, if Hasenhutel was at clubs that were capable of um, reaching cup finals on a regular basis, yeah. and that was his record. He would be getting absolute pelters mm. from from all corners. So I think Hazen just has a has a more sort of laid back and not quite frenetic approach to things. I mean, Klopp's clearly a good manager. I mean, you don't get where don't get where he is without without having something about you. Yeah. Um, but I do just think that the the whole sort of demeanour of him is a little bit overstated.
3: Yeah, I, I know I'm totally biased but I know which one I'd rather have but uh, there we go. Um, and of course, just finally then, before we do our predictions um, Danny Ings has only just got back in the team and of course he's going to miss that game due to the uh, sort of parameters around his uh, loan deal so uh, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do up top.
2: Oh, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously wait to see whether Shane Long will be available as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I... I I wouldn't be surprised if Shane Long isn't available, whether he will go without an out-and-out recognized striker, actually. I I was thinking Um, the same. Maybe play Josh Sims and push Redmond up there or something like that. Yeah, I think there's a real argument for that, actually. Um, Let's put it this way. I don't see Austin or Gallagher's style of play getting a lot of change out of Van Dyke. But um, I think there's more of a chance for Redmond and Sims. It's still difficult, but or it would be long if he played. That sort of style of play is probably slightly more troublesome for Liverpool, um, and especially if Saints end up for periods of time with their backs to the wall, as it were, and having to defend deep, and, and they need to hit on the break. They need some pace to at least retain a threat and keep Liverpool honest. Yeah. Uh, it'll also be interesting to see um, in, in the whole setup whether he sticks back four or goes to back five because obviously Liverpool's um, attacking threats kind of suggest that you get as many men behind the ball as you can in which case there's an argument for playing the extra centre half but obviously the four works so well and it is where he wants to go uh, eventually yep. maybe he'll stick with it now I'm not entirely sure at this early stage um, exactly what he'll do but it'll be interesting what, what would you do Uh well, I certainly
3: wouldn't be thinking damage limitation, which is what we were thinking earlier in the season. Um, I think from my point of view, I would leave it as it was yesterday, but I would bring Josh Sims in for, for Danny Ings and play Redmond up there and Sims on the right. And I, I think you're right. We're predominantly going to be playing counter-attacking football against them, aren't we? So the pace in the side and driving at them down the wings and stuff, trying to push their full backs back a bit will, will help because we know Robertson and uh, Alexander-Arnold are going to try and push forward.
0: I think the midfield's the key actually yeah. because i mean, from watching the Liverpool Spurs game earlier today Spurs had a lot of joy uh, right through the middle of Liverpool. Um I mean Jordan Henderson has has been pretty good this season um to be fair to him but he was he had an absolute stinker today. Mm. And um Spurs had so much joy with Lucas Moura just running literally just running past him. Yeah. Um Fabinho didn't offer it didn't offer any protection either. And I mean, let's face it—you would be very surprised if Liverpool came to St Mary's and played both of those against us mm. um, with Milner as well. And it's a—it's a very defensive-looking midfield three, which I think is why Liverpool have tended to look a little stodgier this season in attack yeah. than they did last season, because Klopp's finally realised that their defence needs a bit of protection every now and then. But I think that—that's an area where where we'll we'll be looking. Um, to exploit, and I think as a result, that's proper. I think Josh Sims will be the one that might get the nod. Mm. Um, alternatively, you um, you move Armstrong into that into that role, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, if Lamina's fit, then maybe he comes in. Yeah. Um, I guess the good thing is if it's keeping us pondering,
3: then Jurgen Klot's certainly going to be pondering.
0: Yeah, we've got options. I mean, you you would imagine that um, Liverpool won't. Be too concerned about us, and they'll just play their own game and, and think that well, we're we're better than them as the as the league table and the balance sheets um, both suggest. Mm. But even in their position, you've still got to be aware of what the uh, what the opposition threats are going to be. And I th- I think that sort of number ten role, I think we might end up with two or three players playing that role. Right, let's have uh, some predictions then, Steve. You can go first this week. Um, I would like to think we'll get something from it, but. I mean, Liverpool should have got battered second half today, and the, just the luck's running with them. So I think they're going to win three one. Three one, cool. What about you, Adam?
2: I, I actually think it'll be a good night. I'm quite looking forward to to it, even though I don't really like Friday night games, I think they're a bit of a nonsense. But I prefer them to you, Mondays. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. But it'll be a, you know, I think it'll be a last chance this season for the light show and the fire. <laughs> And I think oh, it'll be But, a, that, but that didn't work the other be night, be, did it? Well, that's what I was going to say. Hopefully yeah. it'll be a belter because they've really got to make up for the fact that they disappointed everybody, um, by the fact that the floodlights failed, uh, before the game, the last game or whatever game, it was Fulham, wasn't it? Yeah, the last it. Fulham yeah, game. For, yeah. The floodlights failed in the itching and, and so they couldn't, uh run the light show because they were having to reset the floodlights so (laughs) um and therefore they couldn't run the fire either so the fire but it was going to be all around the center circle they had the the fire things and they were going to be and all up the sides of the pitch and they're the ones that like chase they chase each other around you know in unison yeah um and there's different colors (laughs) so yeah i mean (laughs) who pays for that the
3: premier league or us i assume us
2: I assume yeah, yeah, it must be Saints. Killed. Yeah. yeah. Must be saints to That's pay where our
3: entire uh, marketing budget's been spent on that, is it? So uh,
2: Yeah so that, see, that and the clappers. Season ticket is going towards uh, yeah, flashing lights and fire. Yeah. Um,
0: and clappers. And clappers, and, uh, all, the cla- all the clappers. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> the only thing they're suitable for is making a fire. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come fire. on. What's your prediction? Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I think, yeah, 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1 Liverpool, all right.
3: So, yeah, I, I think uh, I do think we'll give them a good game. Um, obviously, there's nothing I'm going to uh, predict other than a, a Liverpool win. So, I'm going to go 2-0, which I did have before your prediction, Adam. I, I do think it will be hard, and with their record, and uh, I think just the uh, calibre of player they got, that uh, it'll be a tough night for Saints. But, as we all said, nothing to lose, so why not get out there and uh, give it a good go? Thanks as always for listening to Total Saints Podcast. It's much appreciated and we hope you've enjoyed it, especially after the result down at Brighton. We'll be back again next week to reflect on the Liverpool game when hopefully we'll be talking about another famous Saints win. So until then, have a good week. Let's enjoy it. Oh, Keep... Hang on, hang on, hang, whoa, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you
2: are you, are you not going to congratulate our neighbours down the road on their Checker trade trophy victory Absolutely before not. we sign off? What, the one that they're all boycotting? I'm not interested in it. <laughs>
3: I've got a line here that says, and a big shout out to Sunderland uh, on their Wembley glory as well. Nice one, lads but I have that down in brackets just in case, so obviously I'm not going to read that out now. (laughs) Right, keep marching in, everyone.